Podcast. The Lhasa Podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Maybe want to get a piece of that. Pretty good. I want to talk about sexy teens. I was getting erections. It's a very creepy feeling. I can guarantee that underwear theft will come up again. None of this is relevant. Pokemon, Pokeballs. 750 milliliter bottle of rum. Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. I... I keep getting asked if I make money off these podcasts. And I don't. I don't make any money off it. I pay for hosting because I don't want to use one of those other services. Uh, I do as much as I can for free. I I think I did one... I've done one ad on Ninja News Japan. And it wasn't... It was like an ad read that I... They didn't give me any copy, so I just you know made it up as I went. It was really terrible. They actually said they were really happy with it because I just like rambled for five minutes uh for newsly and newsly didn't give me any money they just put me in their featured podcast section uh so basically everyone in their featured podcast section probably is reading their ad for them for free it's fine i mean that's a fair trade it's just one of those things where i don't know if newsly's getting any downloads so i don't know if anyone's actually using their featured podcast but i thought it would be an interesting thing to practice like how to how to do an ad or how to read it in my own style. But I was thinking about like friends I have, most of my friends who if they do something artistic are doing um, music. And they almost never get asked if they're making money off it. Because there's an assumption I think that if you're making music, for, it's a hobby or you're doing it for fun. Even if you're doing shows, you're not making much money off it. Unless you like are quitting your job and stuff. But then I was like, why do people keep asking me if I'm making money off the podcast? And I think a lot of people who go into podcasting, maybe that's the actual goal. The actual goal is to make money, which isn't why I started. I just was uh, frustrated with the internet and I wanted people to actually like, if I wrote a big long essay, I just, I, I don't think anyone read it. So I thought it would be like, oh, if someone's going to listen, they're going to listen to the whole thing. That was my actual only reason. So basically my level of engagement should go up. I think it would be less people overall because I used to have a website like a blog and it would get 30,000, 40,000 hits. But I knew from talking to my friends who I knew visited the website that they weren't really reading the big long articles and essays I were writing. And think about the podcast, I'm doing the exact same thing. This is this big, long, rambling essay. But if you're here, you're probably listening to the whole thing. So it's fewer people listen to the podcast than would visit the website. But the few people who visit, who listen to the podcast actually are 100% committed or engaged to whatever they're doing in that moment. And that appealed to me a lot. And yeah, I thought it was a, a format I'd never experienced before. And now I've, again, part of what I'm doing is learning and experimenting. So I've moved on to Twitch. I do some streaming. Uh, I'm trying to learn all the different software. Uh, hooking things up it's been actually fun and i again i assume it will evolve after this i was looking at a thing a program that's supposed to let you stream to youtube twitch and facebook all at the same time i was like oh is that worth doing but it might be i don't know 
And the thing is, what you get to the point where you're just doing so much, you have to scatter it uh, as far as you can in the hopes that someone picks up something. And so then when I say to people, no, I'm not making any money off the podcast, you can see they want to ask them, why are you doing it? But then why does anyone do a hobby? And I think maybe part of it is I clearly spend so much time and put so much work into it. Because I don't, I do two a week and each one's like 30, 40 minutes. Like that's a lot of work. Uh, and then I've personally, I thought like I should just do one or I should, you know, combine them all into one. It's one of the reasons that uh, this podcast, Velocity Podcast, if you didn't listen to the after credit stuff last week, I'm doing 10 more episodes. This is actually going to be, I think, episode countdown number nine. Now it's still going to be till the new year. But my intent is to stop Velocity Podcast and then only do C McBee. And C McBee is going to be, have the same sort of content. It's just, it's been slightly more organized. So one week I'm doing a C McBee Reads. One week I'm doing a single topic. And then the other week I'm going to do this. Talk about whatever I want, probably new stuff, uh, something that's interesting or something that's weird. And that hopefully will help me, again, organize things and keep increase the the quality of the content, although the quality's never been that high because I'm always so slipshod at the end of the day because I try to do so much. And maybe that is actually one of my failures. I've been on this kick lately that everyone's good point is also their bad point. So my good point is I want to do everything, but the bad point is I want to do everything, which means none of the things I do are as good as they could be if I just did one thing. So it's a, it's a, it's a question. So like I have a friend who's obsessive like he gets a thing and he won't let it go. And that's great because if you want the answer, he'll find you the answer. But at the same time, if that's not the thing he should be doing in that moment, he's not going to stop until he's finished. Um, I could, yeah, again, you just go through all your friends and think what is their best trait. And I bet that also equates to their worst trait. And so, yeah, this desire to do so much means that all the stuff I do maybe isn't as good as if I just like, okay, let's do less and do that less better. But yeah, I don't make any money off the podcast. I'm probably going to do a few more Newsly ads only because it was fun. Uh, And that's more of just like almost technically a link exchange, not really a uh, transaction of any sort. I don't make any money. Uh, They, I have looked at CRM which is how you get paid in podcasts. And it's usually per one, like I think the average is $15 for a thousand downloads or a thousand listens. Um, So at best I would make 15 bucks an episode. And that's actually probably, I wouldn't even hit that all the time. Still, whatever. That's fine. I mean, I'm not here for the money. If I was here for the money, I would have given up a long time ago and I wouldn't be spending money on, all the stuff I've bought so that I could start streaming. This was an interesting story. It's about a Chinese company. It's a subsidiary of Canon. And what they've done is put this thing on the door. It's like a little camera with little pads so you can see your face. And it will only let you in if you are smiling. So it has AI-enabled smile recognition technology for a Chinese subsidiary of Canon Information Technology. The cameras only let smiling workers enter the rooms or book meetings, ensuring that every employee is definitely, this is uh, the writer being sarcastic, 100% happy all the time. 
the, this, I'll read you bits of the article. The Chinese companies are surveilling employees to an unsettling degree with the help of AI and algorithms. Firms are monitoring which programs employees use on their computers to gauge their productivity, using CCTV cameras to measure how long they take their lunch break, even tracking their movements outside the office using mobile apps. My first thought when I read that was, whatever mobile app they want you to use, maybe it has to be on a company phone. Like, I don't know... The rules in China are probably different. Maybe they can just install stuff on your personal phone. My first thought was, if they were going to track me, I wouldn't be happy about that. So what I would do is get their mobile tracking app on a phone and either leave that at work at home and then have my own actual personal use phone that I use when I go out. And then they would only ever have me being at home all the time. I just talked about uh, tracking people in the subways in Engineers Japan in that episode. And how I thought that like once you go into a building or a private company or something, the expectation of privacy is almost not there. Um, the interesting thing was, I didn't think about how far it could go. Because then this article that's up on the screen is talking about like... Um, Amazon and how Amazon will track you to the point where if you are not, you know, being uh, so productive that it actually makes you sick, that they will fire all the people at the bottom end of the algorithm. And this was interesting, again, something I hadn't thought about is this isn't replacing the worker. This is actually replacing middle management. So like the middle manager's job would be to make sure you are doing your job to make sure that you are uh, doing tasks and not just messing around, where they could get rid of the middle manager and just have uh, AI and cameras and stuff do that for you. And again, more, like the the manager might actually cover for you because they like you. They might actually cover for you because they, they think you're a good employee or a good person. The AI is not going to do that. So it doesn't matter if you're a great guy. The AI is going to be like, no, nah, he messes around too much on Reddit on his work computer. His lunch break is too long. He hasn't been as productive as everyone else. Therefore, he's fired. It won't take any other considerations into account. But what I actually, when I read this story, wanted to talk about was happiness and corporations. And I am not anti-corporation, but I am very pro-honesty. And the honesty of companies is always at question. Um, A company's purpose is to exploit you. And make no mistake about that. That isn't necessarily a bad thing because your job on the other side is to exploit the company. The company is going to pay you as little as humanly possible to do as much work as humanly possible. Uh, This is where unions generally are a good thing. Your job is to fulfill your contractual obligations. And I honestly believe and nothing more. So there's been some... I just kicked my speaker, sorry. Uh, There's been... there's, There's a couple phrases like, we're family at this company. And to me, that immediately means... That's not true. They're lying to you already. They're trying to create a false sense of belonging that does not exist. Because if your families, I had someone actually say this to me, like they told them all, you know, it felt like a family. And I was like, so if I got cancer, would they take care of me? Because that's my expectation of the family. Like I've worked with this family, my actual family, since it's been its inception, was it like 15 years ago? 
I have kids. I take care of my kids. I have an expectation that if I get sick, if I get cancer, that they will do their best to take care of me. They will help me out. A company, my expectation would be, unless, if it was legal to do so, would cut me uh, to save on expenses, to not pay health insurance. I wouldn't be surprised by it. I'd be disappointed. I think most countries that would probably be illegal, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect the company to take care of me. I read a story about Steam where this one guy, he got, I believe it was a form of cancer or something, a leukemia or something. Uh, and he went in and he told the very famous boss, whose name I can't remember in this moment. Um, no, I'm not gonna. He told, he, he went and talked to his boss and he said, look, I'm sick. Uh, and then he immediately thought like, I'm gonna get fired because games companies, they're basically at will. It's in America, it's at will contracts all the time. So he thought, I'm gonna get fired. And then the guy said, you know, you, your job now is to get better. So go home. Don't worry about it. You're going to get your salary. You're going to get everything's just to stay exactly the same money wise. You're going to have your insurance. Your job is to get better. Now that's very inspiring, but I think it's inspiring because it's very rare and unusual because that's why it's a story. If that kind of thing happened all the time, it would become an expectation. But the expectation is that your company will not take care of you. If I have any sort of real problem, I would expect sympathies, but I would not expect any real action. So a company is never like a family because what they're actually saying is we want to exploit you. We want you to feel loyalty to the company and we want you to work as hard as you can, but it's very one-sided and that's a problem because if you think about this camera thing, it only lets you go into rooms or book rooms or whatnot when you're smiling. They don't actually care if you're really happy. They probably read some study that said, you know, people who physically smile feel better. So we're going to force you to physically smile. But the AI, I bet, cannot tell if a smile is sincere. So if I'm staring at you right now and I go, "Mm," a human would go, wow, that is a creepy, creepy smile. Whereas a robot would probably go, his facial features have grimaced in the appropriate degrees that he is smiling i will now let him in the room and being forced to smile i would bet in the long run makes you unhappy so they're not dealing with an underlying issue of the actual happiness or productivity of the worker they're just trying to impose their will upon the worker and pretend that they're happy And that's, to me, very realistic. I think it's blatant because it's in China, where, again, labor laws, I believe, are probably a lot looser than in other countries. But the success of this program really is just testing whether or not your employees are willing to jump through hoops. And they are, as long as they're getting paid. The thing, I was thinking, though, if it's a technology company, I bet someone could hack it someone who works there so they can walk in without smiling all the time because it just they reprogram to just recognize their face because they're using facial recognition but this is another thing that companies get wrong where if they actually tried to make workers happy i think the underlying loyalty you would receive in return would be significant like more so than just pretending uh I'm trying to think of some examples that won't be really obvious. This is the problem because I still work, which means I still work with people. 
And it's unlikely those people listen to this podcast, but if they do, I can't really talk about them. I'm not, I don't want to disparage the company I work for because overall, I would actually say the company I work for is very good. It's stable. <laughs> very. Okay, yeah, here's, here's the thing. My immediate managers are good. Uh, I would say they care about me as individuals, but if they were ordered for some reason to get rid of me, I think they would do it. I think they would care more about their jobs than they would about me as a human being. And the fact that I've worked at the company for 20 years does not mean anything. And I always keep that thought in the back of my head. When people start talking about, you know, the company's been good to you or the company has done this for you, my first thought is always remember that they didn't do it for you. They did it because they had to, because it was a legal requirement, or they did it to keep you in the position doing the work you're doing. And therefore, you deserve what you're getting. It's not them doing something extra for you. You deserve it. You may not know why you deserve it. Again, it might be a legal requirement. But you do deserve what you're getting from them. They will not do any more. So like I have a positive relationship with pretty much everyone I work with. There's upper management who has no idea who I am. And never will, to be honest, because they work in a different city. And I'm actually okay with that. But then again, they are the final decision maker. So if a decision has to be made about me, they're going to look at an Excel sheet, they're maybe talk to a lawyer, and then decide what to do with me. I will not be involved in the process. Now that does not sound very familial. Like this is not how a family behaves towards its like members. And it's the dystopian aspect. So I meet a lot of people, and they're usually like young people right out of university, and you can tell immediately they are anti-corporation, they are anti-company, but you can't, everyone can't have a startup that's awesome. And the irony there is if you had a startup that was successful, you would be running a company. Now, of course, you're telling yourself you'd be running it differently, you'd be running it better. You wouldn't put AI cameras to uh, ensure that everyone has to smile before they enter a room, You, but then you might. <laughs> Because you might get so far down that road that it's maybe not even your decision anymore and all your best intentions. Like, I don't think anyone starts a company with bad intentions. Like, I'm going to abuse the worker. I'm sure there are people and companies who do that. Again, I think middle managers are the most dangerous because they're the ones who are on ego trips. The biggest problems I've had in my experience working in a company are with people with the slightest amounts of power who want to make themselves feel good. So they try to lord it over you or make you do things you don't want to do. So this guy's quit, so it's fine for me to talk about him. But I was one or two minutes late clocking in. So we had this little punch card you have to punch in. And I, but I had been at work. I show up to work about 30 minutes early every day. And that's just a personal habit. I'm not saying other people have to do it. I don't hold people to that expectation. But because I live far away and I worry about the trains and stuff, I always show up to work really, really early compared to everyone else. Everyone kind of knows this, that I'm never actually late. So I was talking to a student or a customer in our case uh, and I was like, oh, geez, I got to go punch in. So then I ran off and I got to the punch in machine like, again, two minutes late. But everyone knew I was there. And this guy, because it was his moment of power, uh, he said, well, I'm sorry you punched in late. It's going to be like a a mark on your record. I don't know what you would call it in our company. I'm not going to get a warning or anything. Uh, And I'm like, but you know I was here. He's like, yeah, but that's not these are the rules. The rules are the rules. Now, I ever thought that the karma would come around so quickly, but it was the next week and there'd been a mistake in scheduling 
and they scheduled me for five minutes past my finish time. So they put a class in there that didn't fit. Uh, and they called me up and asked me to stay five minutes later. And I said, no. And they said, well, but we, we need you to stay five minutes later. And I was like, well, I need you to fix the time card last week. And you refuse because those are the rules. And the rules actually say I leave at my end time. And he says, well, we'll pay you five minutes overtime. And I said, I don't want five minutes overtime. I mean, five minutes overtime is a couple hundred yen. Like, I drop that. And if I'm in a rush, I might not pick it up. So I'm not, and again, I'm not doing this because five minutes is a problem for me to do. I'm doing this because you screwed me over. So I'm screwing you over. And you could tell on his end of the phone, he couldn't understand what the problem was. That he was holding me to a standard but not holding himself to the same standard. So if, if the rules are the only thing that matters, then I'm going to follow the rules and that's going to suck for you because sooner or later you're going to need me to help you out. That's one of the biggest mistakes, uh, again, middle managers make is not being forgiving to the worker and then expecting them to like forgive them for something. So he said, well, what are you going to do? And I go, well, at the end of my shift, I'm going to get up and walk out of the classroom and punch out. Now, realistically, I was never going to do that because that is actually punishing the school I was working at and the students in the classroom who had nothing to do with this. But I really wanted him to suffer. And so I, he said, well, what do you want? What can we do to get you to stay? And I said, go fix that time card. Now, I don't think he ever did it. So he agreed to do it, but I don't think he ever did it. And I don't think he ever did it because at the end of the day, there was never going to be a real punishment for it. It just bugged me that everyone knew I was there but they wouldn't fix it for me because he didn't have to. And again, this was like, I have this incredibly small amount of power. The problem being that incredibly small amount of power actually goes both ways. And again, I am only beholden to the legal contracts that I have signed. And as are you. And if the company is going to screw me over, then I'm going to screw them over. Now, my most negative experience was in the current position I have when way, way back they offered it to me. They said, we would like you to join this section in in, in education. Uh, I actually said no. And And they said, why? And I said, well, it seems like way more work, more responsibility, and I don't get more money. And there was a tiny amount of money attached to the position. But again, it wasn't enough for me to give up this very nice, very relaxed lifestyle I had. So they started making promises. And this was my mistake that I didn't get those promises in writing because I didn't think these people would lie to me. I was very, I was not very young, but I was younger and clearly more naive. Any promise they make needs to be written down. So they made more and more promises. One, I would be able to pick my own schedule because for me at that time, going to judo was more important than work. Like if I had to make a choice between working at this company and quitting to go to judo, I would quit and find another company that was more flexible or more fit my schedule. And I knew there were companies like that out there. Uh, I was guaranteed a certain raise. I was guaranteed this and that and that and that. And I didn't get it in writing. And then year to year, so that's, that lasted for, let's say, two years. But then after that, every year, they eroded away a little bit more. Oh, you can't do this. It's against the rules. You can't do that. And I didn't have a document to show that this was promised. So then we got to a point where all the middle managers had swapped out. And the guy I was talking to, he's like, well, I didn't make those promises to you. And I'm like, I don't care that you didn't. It is actually your responsibility to uphold the promises that were made to me. And he said, like, but I don't know what promises were made to you. I can't take your word for it. And so that to me was very clear. He's telling the truth. 
he can't technically take my word that I get like more stuff than let's say everybody else. But it also made it very clear. That was the moment I realized like trusting the company is a mistake. They need to be held to something contractual. And again, it's not because he he cares about me or doesn't care about me. He's just telling me the truth. I don't have to legally do anything. Now, the problem was in that situation, he, again, I was very disgruntled at the moment and I was basically saying, I want to leave and change to this other position uh, and go back and not be in the office anymore where I worked. And he wanted me to stay because they didn't have anyone. And he's like, at least in this case, he told me the truth. He's like, I can't give you all the things you were promised. Uh, This is what I can give you. I said, write them down. And you could tell he didn't want to. Um, And so there's been still an unwritten agreement, but everyone knows that there are limits to how how far you can push someone. So those unwritten agreements have held, but I'm still waiting for the day when they don't when again managers change or coworkers change in different positions and they go well I can't give you that and I say but I've had that for years and years and years or it was a promise that was made to me and they go well I didn't make that promise to you again that's not how families work uh you trust each other and you 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 uphold each other and if you make a promise you're supposed to keep that promise but then families don't swap out positions like it's not like someone's going to be a different wife for me tomorrow who's made different has different expectations and different reasons uh, for being there so my experience has been yeah i wouldn't even say negative but i'm much more realistic and i don't take any promise made in a company seriously unless it's written down and can be signed or can be added onto a contract and i've actually had people say like the contracts we use in our company are standardized. So everyone has the same stuff. It's all very fair, whereas that's how they imply it. But I, my contract within our company is unique, as there are a few coworkers. Um, and I know that because I know my contract. So when they say that to me, I know like you're already lying. You can change stuff if you want to. You just don't want to. It is easier to have everything standardized, but then you should stick to it. You shouldn't make exceptions ever. But sometimes you have to make exceptions to keep people. This has been very rambly, but working in a company, you do have to be aware that they do not have your best interests at heart. And again, I'm not even saying the company's evil. They're just doing their job. Their job is to hire employee workers, set out their mandates, and try to get as much as they can. Your job as a worker is not actually to exploit the company, but you there should be no expectation that you do anything beyond your contractual obligation. There's been a couple of things, I think on Quora and Reddit and stuff, and it's like CEO saying like, I'm always disappointed that my workers go home at five o'clock. Like they're not as committed as I am. But they're not making CEO money. They don't have a stake in the company to the same degree. So why is your expectation that they're going to behave the same way? You give me a stake in the company that is the same as yours, and I bet I'd be willing to put in the same effort. But I'm getting my wage, and I'm getting my wage for doing this work and nothing else. So showing up early and staying late does not benefit me. And the only reason it benefits you is because you are the CEO. So if you want employees to start behaving like CEOs, you got to get a CEO paycheck. you got to get a CEO commitment, which... I think we both know they're not going to get. So when they start talking about employees in any sort of negative light, my first thought is you don't understand what it is to be a worker and like your commitment to the company 
you seem to think theirs is the same where it's not. They're there because they don't want to, they want a paycheck. They're not there because they love the company. They're not there because you are family. They're there because they need a job and they need to eat. And this is maybe the best job in the moment. Yeah. So, uh, weirdly, I found the smiling for the camera offensive because it's not in my contract that I have to be happy. Now, in sales positions and stuff, I actually think there's a fair expectation that you have to be uh, presenting a positive, outgoing persona. It doesn't have to be real, though. And again, what my kind of my thing with the AI is you can fake it, you can smile, but that doesn't actually mean you're happy. So I, maybe that's okay. So if they're saying, like, we don't care if you're actually happy, you just have to pretend to be happy while you're entering this building. I could do that. But I think I do that every day anyways. I think I pretend to be happy most days I'm in the office. So I'm already doing what Canon is asking its Chinese employees to do. I'm putting on the face they want me to put on. But that's because they pay me to put on that face. I'm not saying don't be happy. (laughs) I'm saying be realistic. If you're young and you're looking for a job, you're not committed to that job. You are committed to your contract. And anything anyone says that's different, they're trying to manipulate you. And don't be manipulated. Understand the reality. And always think back. Like if they say anything about loyalty or family or anything like that, just think in the back of your head, if I got cancer right now and I needed help, would they help me? And I would bet 99% of the time the answer is no. Which is a huge downer to end on. <laughs> I'm doing this all the time lately. <sighs> Maybe I just got to find lighter topics. I got to stop talking about work and companies and stuff. But I guess if you just stick to your contracts, you could be happier. Because again, you would know where your responsibilities begin and end. And it's where it ends is the important part. Because that's the bit that the company wants to make fuzzy. The loss of the loss of podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Maybe want to get a piece of that. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube slash Podcaster streaming on twitch.tv slash chest. You can find Ninja News Japan on Facebook. Send questions or comments to speakpipe.com Podcast. Link in the description. Check out all the podcasts in the Podcast family. See McB, Ninja News Japan, and Daily Affirmations Weekly. At Podcast, we want you to be happy, really happy. I don't want anything from you, just be happy. And like and subscribe. And tell your friends. Tell them to like and subscribe. So I do want something from you that is not your happiness. Maybe it's time you started thinking about this podcast like a family. We work hard and play hard. 24-7. Commitment. But to us, not you.